Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, Australia. Welcome to My Millennial Mates. I'm Glenn James, and we're joined today for a bonus episode with Bryce and Ren from Equity Mates, the podcast. I like the name change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was good, hey? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you like that? Ren. <laughs> My Millennial Mates as well. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah that too. You missed that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got it. I couldn't work it out, though. I was like, whatever. So, we'll as George Casanza would say, let's just cut to the chase. Uh, this is a bonus episode. We're just answering questions about shares. And I'm going to open the episode with an audio question. Uh, and hey, everyone, if you want to ever send in an audio question, please do. Glenn.james at sortyourmoneyout.com. Any audio questions, keep them under a minute. So that ended up like a comment um, from Q&A. <laughs> it's like, was there a question there? Yeah. Um, so let's, let's go with this first one from Shay. Hi guys, my name's Shay. I'm 31 from Canberra and I love the show. My question is in relation to the stock market and if in fact there is a battle rhythm that we can learn about and perhaps use to our advantage. So I've heard that some sophisticated investors know that certain things happen throughout the year at certain times that affect the stock price. Uh, For example, in June, that hedge fund managers will pump money into certain stocks to try and get that last little bit of gain so they can report back better earnings at the end of the financial year. I've heard that towards Christmas, generally all stocks do a little bit better because people are feeling optimistic. And I've also heard that when a stock goes ex-dividend, it will drop in value for a period of time, whether that be a few weeks or a few months. So I'm just wondering if all this is just rubbish or there's some truth to it? And if so, what else have I left out? I'd love to know. Thanks, guys. So thanks, Shay, for sending that in. And there's a question there. There's a lot of hocus pocus going on in the markets. Yes. Like from your experience... Is it legit and does it matter? Are there any other things like, what do they say? Like October is usually the worst or the best month. Buy in May and go away. sell in May and go away. Sell in May and go away. Price, you've been getting that wrong for years. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder why my portfolio (laughs) Santa's little helper, which is the Christmas one. I mean, it's probably just a market trend over over time. You couldn't really attribute it to anything. there, There are specific things that happen in the market that uh, if you're aware of, you can potentially benefit from in the short term. So, uh, when options are expiring is a big one. When indexes rebalance. So, in our, in our last episode, we talked about like the ASX 200 index. Uh, if, if it's rebalancing quarterly, companies that have made it into the index are now in the 200 biggest. At the quarterly rebalance, all the, fir- all, all the funds are going to have to buy them. And if you've fallen out of the index, you're going to get sold at the quarterly rebalance. So there's things like that that happen. The dividend, uh, the ex-dividend date is another one where share prices drop after the ex-dividend date, uh, generally by the amount of the dividend paid. So there are things like that. My more general piece of advice is a lot of that is noise and a lot of that is 
used by very short-term traders, people who are trying to make money day in, day out, algorithms, quants, all that stuff, trying to get you know fractions of cents here and a little bit of edge there. You, you, don't need to, you don't need to be aware of that to make money in the share market. If you're investing for the long term, these things will happen. Um, but if you're holding good companies or if you're holding broad indexes, um, you know, over the long term, they won't matter. Yeah, no, that's cool. And there's a question here from Brent Cunningham, um, which kind of flows onto that. And it was a question I was going to ask you that I don't know the answer to or really care what the answer is, but I'm interested <laughs> to know. Like, Can I ask us anything? No, no, like I'm interested to know the answer, but I don't really care about the outcome. Um, considerations when choosing uh, between ETFs that track the same index. Now, I wanted to know, like, do most, um, when they do rebalances... Because there is a thing like if there's, say, Vanguard have an index fund and uh, beta shares have an index fund that track the same index, there's got to be some possible things that differ within the indexes, right? And it might mean that, and I guess my question was, do they all quarterly rebalance at the end of each quarter or do they say, okay, well, we're doing a quarterly rebalance, but we do that in our own time because that's our own IP, like, because there's stuff behind the veil, right? There definitely is. The The first thing to know is that a lot of the times, beta shares or BlackRock, which is iShares or uh, Vanguard, aren't actually creating the index. They The index is created by another company. So, the S&P 500, Standards & Poor, they actually create the S&P 500 index and then all of those other uh, asset managers then just track, just track it. it. Yeah. And so... That it's not like they're they're setting you know they're setting their own schedule for stuff like that because they're they're just responsive to the S and P or Standard and Poor's. Same with like the FTSE, you know that's that's not created by Vanguard, that's created by another company. But I so guess that's, yeah, the response, the way that each company responses might be slightly different. It shouldn't be. Yeah, I I think they all try and. As soon as there's a quarterly rebalance from the standards and poor, let's use that example, then they all try and rebalance as soon as possible. Where they try to differentiate is through their fee structure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the number one thing. Yeah. Mm. So you've got this sort of, I would say, price war between your beta shares, Vanguards, BlackRock, p- particularly for say uh, the index that tracks the ASX 200. Mm, it's a race to the bottom. Race to sure. the bottom. Who can offer the cheapest ETF? Um, essentially, that's where they differentiate themselves. So, in direct answer to that question of what do you consider when they're tracking the same index, that would be your major consideration. Y- yeah. Other things would be, you know, who is actually providing the ETF. But personally, it's a it's a fee thing for me. You you can get into the weeds on things like tracking error and stuff like that, where the the ETF doesn't perfectly track the underlying index it's meant to be tracking. For broad-based market ETFs that most people are buying, that's not too much of a concern. Mm. That becomes more of a concern when you get into more exotic ETFs where the ETF provider is using options and leverage and stuff to try and get a certain result. Um, so, yeah, I think to Bryce's point, fees are the number one thing. We're, we're enjoying this race to the bottom at the moment. Um, beta shares are currently leading in Australia. Yeah, they've got the cheapest A200. Yeah, A200, yeah. seven basis points. Mm. So, 0.07%. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Vanguard, BlackRock, beat them. <laughs> Give us cheaper ETFs. <laughs> Is it seven or four? Is it four? We'll have to fact check that one. Yeah. And I guess I just want to jump in there and say, like, if you just joined us this episode, it is more of a direct Q&A. It's not really set at a uh, an introductory level. Yeah. And we're going to share maybe at the end some of the shares that we are holding. Yes. 
And I'm going to talk about some darlings in my life. Nice. <laughs> and we should, we'll just use this opportunity to give a plug. If you do want something that's introductory level, <laughs> the last episode we did, but also Get Started Investing, another podcast that you can search for wherever you're listening to this podcast now. Love it. Now, Tom asks, how valuable is it to be invested in shares that give you franking credits? Now, franking credits, what are they quickly? So, uh, basically, in Australia, we have a policy setting where if a company pays tax on profits and then pays you dividends out of those profits, you shouldn't be taxed a second time. Yes, yeah, to stop double taxation. Exactly. Now, yeah. Australia is one. I think there's only three countries in the world that have fully frank dividends. So, we are a little bit unique in that sense. But it's great for individual investors. It means we don't get taxed on our dividends in the same way that most other investors overseas do. Mm, mm. Personally, though, I don't buy stocks because they have a franking credit. No, that's it's after not, the fact. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. not a, a consideration for me if if they do offer it or not. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I really like what this company's doing, whether it's you know an incumbent shopping center or Woolworths or Coles. Uh, so, you know, I just like the company. I want to be a part of that because I see the future. Yeah. It, it could be the fact that one, I don't care realistically if they pay dividends or not. Yeah. And then secondly, whether it's franked or not. I mean, to be honest, in financial planning land, if you do have a lot of wealth in super in pension phase, like we set up a lot of um, funds that were heavy on frank dividends for yeah. the tax planning mm-hmm. purposes, yeah. but it, you just don't want to make sure, you want to make sure that the dog's not wagging, the tail's not wagging the dog. Yeah, yes. like, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I think... Um, for you know, with millennial audience, growth is more important than income at this point. You know, we've got decades ahead of us before we need to tip, get into our retirement. Isn't interesting one, and it's harder to find. Like, so you look at the Australian exchange, like the All Orders Index at the moment. Yeah, and it's basically done nothing for ten years, right? Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's cute, but you'd have to look at the accumulation index of what it's actually done if you were to reinvest dividends. Mm. Well, that's what a lot of people do. When you look at the return of the market, including dividends, it's done reasonably well. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, to to Ren's point earlier, you know, Australian Australian investors are very lucky in the sense that we, Australian companies pay pretty well in terms of dividends. You look at America, for example, and it's pretty rare for companies to pay the level of dividends that Mm. they do here. Mm. And we're set up from a tax point of view. To, I mean, Australia's to a tax haven. That. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> America, some of the big companies pay quarterly though. That's that's nice. That's that's something different. Mm. If you pick the three right companies, you could get a dividend every month. I think that's one of bad. my investments is a quarterly distribution. Apple pay quarterly. So yeah. that could be... But it's actually a lot of the big uh, US I, companies... I've like got a, a fund that's Visa. an international fund. Yeah. I'll share a bit later that... Do quarterly yeah, distributions. Yeah. yeah. Brent North asks, is playing the short game in shares any different than going to the casino? And why do some people believe they can beat the system? <laughs> Give them credit. You've got to try and it, think that you can beat the system. <laughs> it, it is definitely different because the casino, you know the odds when you walk in and you know that they're stacked against you. The games are designed for the house to win. Mm. Um, but... It, obviously, share the share market is not that. It's not designed for you to lose. Um, but it is very difficult to make money in the short term because you can do all the analysis that you want, but short-term price movements are more to do with psychology mm. in, and you know other factors that you're not aware of or are outside of your control. 
than it is to do with the fundamentals of a business. So it is difficult to have any edge in the short term, you know, unless you've got a supercomputer or a few PhDs or a great algorithm handy. Mm. Um, in saying that, though, there are plenty of people who make money in the short term trading. Um, it's just not our game and it's not something that we think we have a particular edge in. And I'll probably just pull you up on that. Plenty of people, but in terms of percentage, very, very small. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There are lots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll follow on. There's a question, question from Jessica Ellen. Um, how do you respond to friends and fam who think buying shares is like gambling? That's a really good question. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have that mentality that stocks is just like that it's just like gambling my response to that is i think there are now many products you could you know you could tell them there are now many products that allow you to invest in the stock market that removes the as much risk as possible i.e an etf and you know you can spread out your risk and diversify which i think you know to people's argument around it's like putting all your money on one horse well that's definitely not what the case is anymore yeah, I think to add to that, I, I would just take it back from this abstract idea that we have that the share market is a bunch of numbers and a bunch of charts that and a whole bunch of data that we look at daily and hear about on the news every night. What you're doing when you're buying a share is you're buying an ownership stake in the company. That company has purely been set up to hire the smartest people and you know fund new operations and develop new products or services to create money and to create value for their shareholders. And when you think of it like that, when you, you take it out of this fast-moving chart and data situation to what you're actually doing when you're buying the asset, when you're buying the share, it's as far from gambling as possible. Mm. You're literally putting your money in one of the most productive vehicles that have ever existed, which is publicly traded companies. Well, I, I think I would say to that, like, and people have asked me, like, buying shares is just like gambling. It's like, okay, let's just chill out for two seconds. Uh, what is gambling? We're playing a game of chance. That's kind of the definition of gambling, uh, where buying shares and equities is actually called investing. Now, if I fundamentally, and I've said to people, like, do you fundamentally believe that Woolworth supermarket will be around for another 50 years? Like, do you actually believe that we'll still need to shop in a shopping center in a supermarket? Mm. Yes. Okay. So, I can actually buy, as you said, a stake in that going concern. Mm. So, I'm actually investing and that's not a game of chance. It is if it's penny stocks and flip a coin whether this company is around next year, but we're talking about legitimate businesses who have a long-term track record. 100%. Yeah. And then I would also say to that same person, there is more of a gamble not to invest than to invest. Yes. The biggest risk is not investing at yeah. all. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And the biggest... I, I heard a quote once and I need to find what it is. And if anyone can find it on the web, on the interwebs or whatever, I always sound old when I try and like, <laughs> uh, can you uh, Google something? Um, get the Google up. Um, there's a quote and it's like the guy said, I forget who it is. Maybe Nath can look it up on Google now. Um, it was something about the biggest travesty was not the stock market crash in 19 diggity two or whatever. The biggest travesty is people not investing into the market every week. 
something like that. Yeah. It's like there's more of a risk Absolutely. not to invest. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you, you filthy capitalist <laughs> pigs, <laughs> couldn't if, agree more. We, we see the, our, the media perception of the stock market is we get this day in, day out, you know, Alan Kohler on ABC News up 2%, down 2%. And then when the market crashes, you get, you know, massive coverage of the crash and how much money has been lost. You know, if we think back to March when COVID really hit, it was the front page of every newspaper. It was the top story in every news bulletin. And if that's your only exposure to the market, this thing that we don't really understand day in and day out and then has massive crashes every now and then, of course you're going to be resistant to putting your money in it. When you look at you know ha- housing or you know any other asset, bonds, whatever it is, which feel a lot safer. But to your point, Woolies is going to be around in 50 mm. years. Commonwealth Bank's going to be around in 50 years. Amazon. Amazon will own the world in 50 years (laughs) I I don't think it's like And this is very scandalous But theoretically um, And again, I just want to reaffirm That I'm not a licensed financial advisor I'm just a guy having a chat But theoretically There shouldn't be a need To have a conservative portion In your portfolio A defensive portion at any age Theoretically Theoretically because it speaks to managing risk yes. and mm. managing the emotional risk. Yeah. Because once you invest and set up your money correctly, if it's set up correctly, you should never need to sell the equities, which means it doesn't matter what the face value is doing because anyway, I like I'm just I, I don't like the discussions like, oh, should we invest in like forty uh, percent bonds and Mm-mm. fixed mm. interest? Mm. Like you're only doing that to smooth your return out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's and then it goes down the whole rabbit hole of like the volatility and his volatility risk and you know all of that. But I don't think I don't think we need to go too deep. No, there. let's let's go deep. Do you wanna? <laughs> well, I mean, no, no, we've got heaps of questions. But, but it's a it's a philosophical thing. It's like because I know some advisors that they're high touch with their clients and they have got people in their eighties in a hundred percent growth portfolio mm. because they understand yeah. how. The markets work. Yeah. Mm. Investing is all about risk management. Yeah, that's that's. What and it then that down speaks to. to okay. So if you are going to invest and have a strategy that's a hundred percent equities or a hundred percent growth, for your own financial planning, you might be cash heavy to have a year's worth of income or two years worth of income. Mm. Mm. So you know if you do need money because people go, oh, you've heard all the stories. Oh, uncle lost all his money yeah. in the GFC. Yeah. No, he didn't. He sold at the worst time yeah. Mm. Yeah. out of fear and didn't get back into the market yeah. and he did his ass. Yeah. yeah. You don't lose money if you don't sell. Like you look at the last <laughs> quote, six quote. months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, Write Gandhi. that down. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're the first person that said it. <laughs> um, if you look at the last six months with this COVID correction, like... What's the problem? Yeah, exactly. Like my portfolio, it's in the top ten percent of on net wealth. Or no, what's self wealth? Net wealth. Self wealth. Net wealth. Another platform. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And mm. it's pretty high growth, and I didn't dick around or touch it. Yeah. And it's fared well. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to remember the media, the a lot of these brokerage platforms encourage you to uh, to you know trade every day, trade in and out of positions because that's how they make their money. They make their money from activity, from clicks, from buying and selling. So, And you just got to cut that noise out because you're right. If you had held your portfolio from February to July, you're probably up or mm. at least you know close to flat. But so many people panic sell. You've got to go through that experience to understand how you're going to react to it though. I think you've got to 
you know, mastering your emotions and investing is incredibly difficult. Yeah, I, I told my clients like, you know, they'd come in for a review and like, oh, hey, the portfolio did 8% like 12 months after fees and everything. I was like, yeah, that's amazing. And I always go, look, hey, you're going to come in here one year and it's going to say minus two. Mm. Like, mm. I can guarantee mm. will, you will see a negative, but that's okay because it's just face value mm. and we do not need to access the capital. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. it's this, it's an education piece. Yeah. And... I've I've taken the view, and I think one of you's maybe I read on your website. Um, we haven't updated that this in a while. Yeah, this is dangerous. Oh, oh, like, <laughs> yeah, you got to update it's your a, website. But <laughs> this is the gotcha question. Yeah, this is the got you one. Um, no, it was about. Oh, now I've lost my train of thought. It was about investing. <laughs> yeah. I'll move on. I might so, can't. you were saying uh, 8% a year and then one year it's going to be negative two. Uh, Emotions. Yeah, it was... Do you want to sh- talk about something else while I... um Maybe yeah, a bit... Sure. What about you give everyone an update of what's coming up in the next couple of months on your podcast? Any cool things? And by the time this goes live, you might have already heard it on their podcast. We've got um, an ETF evenings coming up where we're going to be sitting down and doing a, a live discussion online with uh, beta shares, which is going to be good, answering all Q&As, everything to do with ETFs. Uh, what else have we got coming up, Ren? Uh, we've got a great stable of interviews coming up, yes. uh, including some uh, sports people, some notable business people, yes. uh, some notable investors. You guys look so different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Glenn's yeah. just looking at our website where I still have hair in the photo. <laughs> I'm <laughs> now rocking the Glenn James haircut, though. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> We've got, we're reviving the hypothetical portfolio. That's yes. going to be fun, uh, getting that back out in the open. I found my thing. Okay. okay. Which is yeah. lucky because you're about to freaking use all this as an advertisement, <laughs> yeah. which can I told we, you to. Can we yeah. Just kick off? Yeah. So, what I developed, and I think Bryce, you made this quote someone said, save to invest, don't, in, don't save to save. Yeah. So, I had to resolve in my life that I'm really bad at saving money because I'm a spender. Mm. So, I've had to set up my money. So, once the money's committed to investing, it stays there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, mm. I'm terrible at saving money. I'll be the first to say that, but I'm an investor, not a saver. Yeah. Mm. I'm the same. I, I get paid monthly, which I hate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you need the Glenn James spending plan. I do. <laughs> I'll get your but, code. You should do it. Yeah, I will. I will. I, I'm Look, I'm the same as you. I'm a terrible saver. Mm. But what I do to try and uh, get around that is I get paid monthly. I know how much I should be saving and I transfer that directly into my brokerage account straight away. And so I don't I don't invest it straight away, but it's in the brokerage account. It's a difficult to then get it out, you know, there's a few day delays and stuff like that. So it's 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 out of sight out of mind. Yeah, on that, uh, that's a good segue. I, I think we forgot in the last episode to talk about DCA and what it means, but I want to talk one I'll get one of you to explain DCA and then two, I'll talk about how do you guys uh, suggest people um, if they don't use like a managed fund or a, a platform to manually execute trades. So DCA, what's that? DCA stands for dollar cost averaging. It's a, an investment strategy, I guess, where you take the same amount of money uh, and invest it into the market at a specific cadence or particular points in time. And by doing so, investing the same amount of money into the same stocks or ETFs, you're buying in at different prices each time and in doing so, smooth out your average price 
And by doing so, you reduce your risk if the prices drop or smash through the roof. And Vanguard just came out. I think it was them and debunked that. Well, someone that That's says massive from them. So yeah, it might not have been. Sorry, Vanguard. No, there there is. There's been studies where it's like if you have a lump sum, is it better to just put the lump sum yes. in at the start? Mm. Yes. Or to do like DCA. Yeah, it's yeah. DCA, and the lump sum actually always performs better. Yes. But there's uh. There's a, there's obviously like an emotional thing like you can you manage that yeah and then the second thing is most people don't start with a big lump sum of money like totally. the dollar cost averaging is the investing for you know people that get paid a salary yeah and, so yeah. theoretically everybody who is on salary that gets nine point five percent super is dollar cost averaging into that's the, super the best fund. example hundred percent now. Yeah. When I had my financial planning business with clients, we used to call it new money. So if there was new money that came into the market, so if someone had an inheritance of 200 grand, they were new to this investing thing. Um, on the emotional side, I would always uh, talk them through the DCA approach and more for the emotional side, let's smooth it out. And what I usually did was threw half of it in straight away and then DCA the remaining half over six months. Yeah. Sometimes you might tweak it depending on their risk profile, but it was just more of a, um, emotional thing. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah. all it is. It's if you're comfortable putting your ten grand in one hit, then go yeah. for it. Yeah, but and I mean, I don't, as a general rule, do lumpy investing. Mm. Like it's pre-systemated and automated mm. because it removes me from yes. trying to time yeah. things and gamble. Um, and I think th- that is the most important thing with dollar mm. cost averaging. Yeah. It's if you're doing it at a set rate, you know, once a quarter, once a month, um, you're not trying to time the market. You're not saying, oh, just wait another two weeks. It might fall a little bo- more. It might be a little bit better. You just take that, um, you know, personal stress. Yeah, decision making out of it and you systematize it. I think that's exactly right. And and I was gonna, actually I forgot to say it to Shay's question. All his examples and all these old wives tales and what the markets do, to me, don't care. Yeah, because matter. every month I put money into the market. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Now I will say, and it's probably the first time I've said it uh, publicly, because uh, I wasn't going to say it during the whole COVID thing. If you are in a good financial position, and you might be cash heavy, there are times where I've reversed the semi trailer up and tipped it into the market. Oh yeah, of course. Now that's not me timing the market ish. Mm. It's more hey, being opportunistic. Thank you. Like mm. there's. I've got some spare cash laying around. Yeah. You know, I went in pretty hard in March, April. Mm, mm. Same. Yeah. Th- those but, are- I mean, At the time, I'm not publicly going to say, oh, everyone throw X amount into yeah. like <laughs> Because it's a, it's a, again, like people listen to this stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you're wrong, yeah. Well, yeah. but it's more of a public policy. Don't time the market just month on month. Yeah. But there could be times where you've come into some money. And because it, and the thing is, in April and uh, in March and April, if I didn't have spare cash laying around, mm. I couldn't have done it anyway. So I think yeah. there's there's a story, and I might butcher the numbers slightly, but yeah, I'm going to try it anyway. <laughs> so obviously, uh, the JFC turned out to be a great buying opportunity. I think if you bought at the bottom, you would have close to tripled your money if you just bought a US S and P 500 mm, uh, in- index, which is great, and you'd be stoked. Um, but if you had bought what was the what was the first Lehman Just Brothers? Before, Le, yeah. So Lehman Brothers collapsed on a Monday. <laughs> if you bought the US S and P five hundred index on the Friday before Lehman Brothers collapsed on the Monday, held it through the GFC, and then back out the other side, I think you still would have close to doubled your money in the ten years after. It's just the the long term grind up of the market 
just is relentless. And it's, it's happening pretty quickly right now. <laughs> it's happening pretty quickly right now. So even if you bought at the worst possible time, like the the very worst time, um, the market recovers. Historically, it does it has always recovered. Hopefully, it will continue to do so. What do they say? You make all your money in a bear market. You just don't know it at the time. Yeah. Mm. So I think obviously, you know, you want to when you you get an opportunistic time like during COVID or like during the GFC, you do want to back the truck up. But even if you completely butcher the timing, mm. you shouldn't lose sleep over And that's it. what I mean. Like, you know, sure, if I back the truck up and put it in, if I was a week off and then it dropped another 5% the next week, it actually doesn't matter because mm. I'm not selling for yeah. 30 years. You don't need the cash. But it was yeah. just, I had spare cash at the time. There was an opportune buy. Mm. That might only happen every three or four years yeah. if I've got the money. Mm. And I think Bryce had some strategy where you put a certain amount of money in depending on how much it fell. Yeah, my, my kind of thinking was if if it drops 10%, I'm just going to put in 10% of my cash available. Oh, that's cool. Drops another 10, I'll put in another 10. That way I'm kind of averaging in as it goes down well, and not trying to time when's the bottom. And I think having um, guidelines because I'm big on percentages and guidelines because mm. it just removes you and your emotion. Well, a, exactly, exactly. And I, you know, I'm quite an emotional investor. I've been... So emotional. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Do you I've want to grab s- those tissues? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been... I've, I've uh, come up short because of my emotions sometimes. Mm. But yeah, that's why I have to put these strategies in place. And when we um, went for a walk to a the cafe just before I was telling you guys how I, I came into some money unexpectedly yep. and I don't need to meet any other goals. So that money's going straight into the market Yeah, yeah. and whether, and I've just got to work out whether it's super or um, my investment bond or through my trust, mm. either way it's being invested for the long term mm. because I don't need it mm. and I don't want to just spend it on more crap Stuff. that I don't need. More cameras. You can get more cameras. <laughs> hey, you guys are guests here. <laughs> true, true. So, no, look, we, we are very jealous of the cameras. <laughs> yeah. Now, Jake Wilcox. Hey, mate. How are you? From Townsville. I sent you up a tote bag. Hope you got it well. And uh, say hi to your sister for me. And that's not like a... <laughs> yeah, I was like... What? No. Hold on a second. No. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> hi, Shannon. Um, Jake asks... Oh, that's embarrassing. (laughs) Keep it in. Keep it in. Um, Can you please discuss the different taxes around shares? This is a good one. If my investment value increases, what taxes do I pay? Uh, When I sell, what do I pay? And I always crap on with John about, oh, property. It's like it's the only asset class where you pay on the way in, you pay during and you pay on the way out. Like, (laughs) so... Talk to us about taxes. The two main ones, I guess, to consider are your capital gains tax, which is the tax that you have to pay on uh, selling a a stock when it goes up in price and you make profit. Or any asset for that matter, yes. Then the other one is if you are getting paid dividends, you're getting uh, income and that will go towards your um, taxable income. They're the two main ones. If your stock goes up and you don't sell, you don't pay. Mm, yeah, uh, you, it's only when you sell there's a tax event and then you, you need to worry about or it. Or throughout the year. Or when you get dividends. dividends. Yeah. dividends. Yeah. yeah, and that's, I guess, as a parallel, when you buy uh, an investment property, you may pay stamp duty on the way in, which is a percentage. So yep. when I buy shares, I don't pay tax on the way in. Uh, if I meet the investment property threshold, uh, I might have to pay land tax throughout mm. the holding the asset. Uh, I don't have to pay really if I've got a, a a share that doesn't 
uh, pay dividends. Um, Sweet. I don't pay any tax ongoing. Hopefully, the government aren't hearing this. They might get some ideas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's why we love equities. Yeah, and, and I'll just finish. Oh, and sorry. Then, yeah, sorry. And then with the property, because it still isn't uh, an asset like shares, once you sell that asset, any gain is taxed, mm. capital gains tax. Yeah. And I will just add, and we'll talk about uh, dividend reinvestment and stuff like that, but if you do reinvest your dividend you will still have to pay tax on that because it's deemed earnings yeah. and it's just after the fact that it's been reinvested. Yes. So, there's no way around um, tax evasion. Yes. There are... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go down the base yourself in the Cayman Islands, all of that route, yeah. but we'll leave that and, one. <laughs> and Google uh, ATO Part 4A. <laughs> and this is why we love equities and... You know, I'm not saying properties is not a good idea at all and at some point in time I want to buy a house as well but it's just so cheap to get access to such good quality companies at, you know, r- relative mm. to, to your point, Glenn, stamp duty is just, it can kill you if mm. you, like, cost so much to buy a house. And particularly if you make the wrong decision around pulling the trigger yeah. on such a big investment that's leveraged because I don't know many people thing, yeah. that are uh, buying investment properties outright. Mm. Um, so, do you guys, like... If we can get personal. Yeah. Please. Um, do you guys, um, like, you, your equity mates, like, are you best friends that live together? What's your personal sitch? Like, <laughs> I you thought you were going to ask us if we own property, but <laughs> oh, yeah, you're going well, very personal. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, I wanted to get to know the person. Alec and I met at uni. Yeah. Um, we lived together at uni for a while. Cute. Yeah. And then <laughs> I have just moved out of uh, a share house with mates that we'd been living with together since uni. Oh, wow. Alec's taken my room. I've moved out with my partner and now uh, Alec is in that room. So, wow. yeah. We spend <laughs> Mercury, a lot of Mercury time together. Mercury and Venus yeah. have a line. <laughs> what, uh, how old are you guys? I'm uh, 29. 29? 27. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. Um, love it. Yeah. Any other personal things we need to know about? Uh, what do you want to know? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> I support the Essendon Football Club. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. I'm friends with uh, Sean Wellman, who used to play oh, for yeah. Essendon. Yeah. yeah. He's our mortgage broker, one of our mortgage brokers in Melbourne. Yeah, right. Yeah. What up, Willie? There um, you go. <laughs> shout do you, out. Do you do any sports stuff? Uh, yeah, I support the Swans. Hey, Swannies. Yeah, yeah. You friends with any of them? Uh, a few of them follow us on Instagram and listen to the show. Yeah. There you go. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, John does some property coaching with GWS and the Swans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we had one of the GWS players on the podcast once. Um, what was his name? He was a cool guy. Sorry. It's really bad. I, <laughs> hello. Adam Kennedy. If you're listening. <laughs> he was a cool guy. Anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm a yeah. bogan. I like motorsport. Okay. Interesting. Would yeah. not have picked that. But you, 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 but you have a Volvo in the driveway. Yeah. So, I'll take you for driving it and then you, you, you freaking re-comment on that. <laughs> be shatting your pants. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Bryce just bought uh, a Jazz, so, you know, he knows. Oh, <laughs> no, no. What I do you drive? Uh, Mazda 3. Good okay. car. Mazda 3 Sport, I should say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> One of the best. <laughs> Got those paddle shifters yeah. happening. <laughs> All right. We're going to get some... Uh, 
I'll get the negative comments on my feed for <laughs> crapping on. Go comment on their podcast, everyone. And if you are listening, and you like the crap that we do. Give us, give out both our podcasts on Apple a five star and a, some nice words. Yeah. If yeah. you have an issue, don't take it out on the rating system. Come, no, no. come to us oh, personally. No, I would say, <laughs> I want, I want people. If you've actually got an issue, still press five star and then shred me in the text. And then, yeah. <laughs> Not the, a bad play. The very first piece of. Uh, Critical feedback, we'll call it, uh, yeah. that we ever received. Bryce uh, wrote a very lovely reply and uh, managed to turn them around and now they're a dedicated listener of the re- show. How do you do that, like so, on Facebook? Uh, no, no, over this was email. email, email. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, if you're not enjoying our banter, write, write to us and Bryce will try and turn <laughs> you around. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. We, we, and the, I think we it's digress. just good. Like Some of that crap that we just talked about, you guys might not talk about on your podcast. So, Absolutely. it's getting to... To know the guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How many people in the share house? Uh, three. Oh, it's not too bad. Yes. Uh, at uni, I lived it with six others at one stage. That was that was big. <laughs> uh, Lauren, and I don't think this is her last name, but on Facebook, it's Where's My Phone? Um, <laughs> this is a bit of a loaded question, and I'll just quickly answer it, unless you guys think it's categorically incorrect. She says, what percentage of your income should you invest? My answer is always as much as possible. Yeah, how long is a piece of string sort of thing? Uh, double is half. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. No, I'm not. <laughs> not bad. Yeah. Um, Laura, yeah, so, but in all seriousness, you, you want to invest as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, there's trade-offs in life. It's like, if I want to travel to Prague once a year and it costs me five grand, well, I've got to pay that. Five grand to travel to Prague. If I don't want to do that and I'd rather invest the money, well, that's the trade off that I've made. Yeah, 100%. And just to that, whatever you do, Lauren, where's my phone? Um, I would say just systemate it, automate it so you are removed from the equation. Like my personal like investment account, or whatever, it just every month it goes in. I've not, lo- I don't even know how much is in there, to be honest, because it's just, I don't look. It's mm. just more. Just doing the Glen of tomorrow a favor today. Yeah. So as much as you can, clear your debt first. Um, you might decide that you want to put some big chunks in your life first. Like I want to save for that home deposit. So you might not go as hard on investing, but yeah, as much as you can. There's no right or wrong answer there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Laura asks, once you've established your portfolio, what would you say is a good amount to keep contributing each year to see continued growth? And I guess I put them together because they're kind of the same answer, but exactly the same answer. I don't think there's a hard and fast rule about if you start with five grand, then every month after that, put in five hundred bucks. Like it's it's whatever you can afford to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and your circumstances will change. Like if if you're young enough and you have a job, but you don't have a family and you know a mortgage, now then that's the time to sort of front load it. And then you know when when you get more obligations and stuff probably put in less mm. you know things change it's just consistent. and i just want to read a little bit deeper into laura's question, just so i'm not seeing it in a simplistic way what would you see is a good amount to keep contributing to see continued growth so i want to answer that is you've put five thousand dollars in and we'll just say that i'll make up a number over the last seven years australian equities probably hasn't, or just making up a number, has grown 10%. Yeah. So, Laura, if you put $5,000 in to your 
super uh, your share investment, whatever that is, and if it was a 10% growth over the seven years, theoretically, at the end of the seven years, you will have more than what you started. You'll have 550 at least. Yeah, you don't have to put more into seed growth. <clears throat> exactly. So yeah. I think that's kind of, it might have been the angle that she was going to. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it will kind of, because a lot of people say, oh, uh, my fees are eating my super fund. Theoretically, only happens if you've got a very low super balance. Mm, mm. And I think that the beauty of compounding is that over time, if you know you're consistently growing at eight or ten percent a year, that number starts to get very big and starts to snowball very quickly. It helps if you contribute, but you don't have to contribute mm. to enjoy that benefit of compounding. It's just time. Uh, Caitlin asks, "Hi, Glenn. Hi, Caitlin. I have a couple of questions. One." What are some strategies to diversify your share portfolio? Two, what happens with reinvestment of dividends if the dividends are less than the cost of one unit? Good question. So, we'll start with the dividend one. So, uh, one share, we'll just say it's a $30 share, and the dividend that you receive that's on a DRP, dividend reinvesting investing plan, is $25. What happens? It just sits... Um Either with the registry, registry. Or, yeah, and they then hold that until the next dividend is paid out by the company and should that then be enough to buy a unit in the, in the company, they will do so and it just keeps on rolling on. Correct me if I'm wrong, but would they ever let you know if you want to cash that out or change the DRP? I think you can decide that at any point yeah. in time. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But I, I mean, I, I don't see the value in taking... Half no. a stock worth of di- dividend, like just and let it sit in there. Let's right on money bags over here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I noticed you do have a sore shoulder, <laughs> rolling in all his money. Um, what with I'm I'm a fan of DRP dividend reinvesting. Yes. Now, what are the top two reasons that you would DRP? Per- personally, no, oh, just whatever. Well, I mean, there's probably some tax advantage that I'm not aware of that you're, you're probably going to tell us. But oh, I don't know. I think... Um, I well, think what's the main one? Compound for me, compound growth. Um, okay. It's just an ability to continuously build your position in that company over time and that then leads to greater return yep. if you have more stake in a company. And the second one? I feel like there's a loaded question. <laughs> I feel yeah. there's an answer. <laughs> there is. I'm going to flip it around to you. What's the second one? Second one is um, you can buy a small parcel of shares without the brokerage. True. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. I, I hadn't actually thought of that. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. So you're listening to Equity Mates and there's a new mate <laughs> on the block. <laughs> His name's Glenn James. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm a, I'm a fan of DRP for that reason. More shares into the company without paying an extra 20 bucks in brokerage or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. No, that's good. Um, and... I guess the third reason, the emotional play, you've got the compounding there, but you, your mitts never get on it anyway. So it's uh, not as if yeah. oh, I've got a $200 deposit in my bank account. Yay, fun, new pair of jeans. Mm. Just set, forget. Yeah, well, our, our kind of comment is if you're not going to do a dividend reinvestment plan, fine. But our feeling is if you take the money, make sure it goes back into the market somehow. If it is to go and buy new jeans, then you probably want to keep it in. Yeah, and I mean, for example, spoiler alert for the back end of this episode, I hold uh, VTS and yep. they don't do uh, DRP so that I've just elected the bank account being my brokerage bank account. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it never exactly. gets into Glenn James's life. Yeah, yeah, smart. Okay, ticking things off now. And Should we answer that diversification yeah, question as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. So, Laura's question, how do you um, 
diversify, blah, blah, blah. So, diversification is a... Oh, sorry, Caitlin. Sorry. That's all right. Um, diversification is a big topic and people take it a lot of different ways. I think um, the way that I like to think about it is just um, there are a number of sources of risk uh, for your investments and what you want to do is not be overly exposed to one particular source of risk. So it, it's not. What are some of those areas of risk? Yeah, so it's not. Uh, it's not just about owning, you know, X number of companies. Um, and so yeah, to to get into some of the different risks, um, you might have industry or sector specific risks. So for example, retail is getting disrupted by Amazon in a lot of com- uh, countries. And so if you owned, you know, five or six retail stocks, you may own a number of stocks, but they're all exposed to the same risk. There's also country specific risks. So. Australia could have something happen to it um, or have something happen to its economy uh, that the rest of the world doesn't experience. And so if you only own Australian shares, uh, then you're exposed that then you're exposed to the same source of risk in all of your shares. Mm. And so there's different ways you can think about diversification. You can think about it uh, through different assets. Um, so you know property stocks, bonds, cash is is diversifying different assets, geographic di- diversification. so, Australia, the US, Europe, and then also uh, like industry or sector diversifications. Mm. And even like if you bring it right back home to your own portfolio. Oh, I can't reach my pen. Oh, damn it. I'm going to have to. Oh, you get that for me. Thanks, mate. You're a, you're a keeper. Um, it's the, to me, the biggest one in, in the first episode, we talked about the core satellite and that maybe I suggested 10%. It's the single stock risk. In your own portfolio, yeah, yeah, if you want yeah. to bring it right home. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so how, how are some strategies to diversify? Well, diversify your share portfolio are strategies to buy more shares. <laughs> like if, yeah. in its purest form, if you, got, uh, if you own 100% of CBA shares and you want to diversify your portfolio, you might go and buy some Woolworths. Yes. All of a sudden, you've split the single stock risk and also you've split the sector mm. risk. So, a, a really good example of a share portfolio that isn't diversified would be if you just only owned the big four banks in Australia because whilst you're owning four different things, they're all exposed to the same risks, they're all exposed, they're all in the same geography and so, whilst you own multiple things, the the reasons why those investments would lose you money are all really the same. So, I think, yeah, if, if you think about diversification as a risk management strategy rather than I need X number of assets or X number of stocks. That probably helps you conceptualize how diversified am I actually? Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. There's a question here from Paul. How do you find the sweet spot with DCA dollar cost averaging where the benefits outweigh the cost of increased brokerage fees fees due to more frequent purchases? So I guess just quickly, I would probably say to that, you know, you talked about rules, like percentage rules. What I would probably do is because once you have a brokerage account, um, there is m- manual stuff involved. Okay, it's different than a managed fund. There's you've manually got a place to trade. So what I would recommend, based on rules in your life and your own cash flow, you might, you know, if you've got the Glen James spending plan, you might have a line item. You know, you plug your stuff up, plug mine. <laughs> you might have a line item in your cash hub, which is investing. And I'll just make a number up, $200 a month. It go And you tr- automatically transfer, transfer um, $200 a month, $50 a week, whatever you choose, over to your trading bank account. And then you've got your own rule that I will place a trade when that brokerage account gets to 
two and a half grand, three grand, whatever that is. Yeah. Whatever that rule is. If you're balling in cash, it might be, yeah, as soon as it gets to 50 grand, I'll place a trade. So the way that I suggest people look at um, manually DCAing, I don't think it's more of a manual, um, I do it monthly. I think it's set an amount in your life and then you put that in whatever the market's doing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I think the other thing, if you are worried about brokerage, you know, paying it, you know, every increment of money you have or every increment of time that you want to invest in, there are ways that you can um, do sort of off-market funds uh, where you avoid brokerage. So, Vanguard, uh, which is a big ETF provider, um, you can you can buy an ETF through the stock market or you can sign up to similar funds as private funds. Um, there's generally, generally there's a be minimums, large, they? Yeah, like 20, large 50 grand, initial lump sum. Yeah. But then what they allow you to do is be pay smaller amounts in mm. and then there's no brokerage there. Um, and same sort of setup with a number of private uh, funds that are like actively managed. Um, you can, there's generally a, big initial lump sum, but then you can DCA in smaller amounts. So, that is another option. And I think another consideration with your investing is the paperwork factor. Hate the paperwork. And that's why one of the reasons I don't do anything in my own name is because if it's through the my brokerage account on my in my family trust, the bookkeeper's doing the paperwork automatically <laughs> anyway. So Nice. Must then, be nice having a family trust. <laughs> and then through my uh, investment bond, that's internally taxed. So that doesn't need to go on my um, investment, like my personal tax return. And then the super's internally taxed. So I'm more of making my life simple. So with your considerations, like I would say that off-market stuff that you're talking about... Mm. That's if you got some serious dollars, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah, I, uh, I think the Vanguard ones. Yeah, five k to kick off. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I was looking at one of those private, but they're uh, just funds. managed fund, aren't they? The a lot of them are. Yeah. The, the Vanguard ones are just index funds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. which is a managed fund. Yeah. like um, they do all your tax reporting and all that at the end of the year anyway. Yeah, I yes. believe so. Yeah. yeah. Um. So there's a, a little question here from David: investing in ETFs versus LICs. So just tell and you know some brief pros and cons. Uh, so, the listed investment companies, how do they kind of work? LICs, yeah, listed investment company. Essentially, what you're doing um, with an, a listed investment company is buying a share for the company and then they actually take that money and manage it themselves. Whereas an ETF, you're buying into uh, a pool of, of, of stocks. There's some differences in the way that they're set up. I don't know if you want to go down that track, but um, essentially what you're doing with the list investment fund is you're, you're really backing the, the company or the manager and getting them to actively manage your money. Yeah, and it, the LIC is probably on the scope of um, what we're wanting to do today anyway. Let's kind of finish up with, do you guys share what like you hold? Yeah. So what are you guys holding at the moment? A little bit. Now, we need to give the very clear disclaimer that this is personal. No, We're not advising you to buy, hold or sell or anything like that. You're just um, sharing your story. Exactly, yes. exactly. As Oprah would say, <laughs> I want you to find your truth. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an interesting interview. Oprah and stocks. Mm. <laughs> we'll try and get her on. <laughs> She's like, yeah, we don't touch anything under like eight mil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Bryce's investing philosophy as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> couple of boys from the inner city, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do we hold? Um, what do I hold? I hold a number of ETFs. I hold gear. GJUS, both leveraged. How are you leveraging? Well, they're internal, oh, internally leveraged. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have um, also 
a leveraged position in Magellan Private Fund um, through NAB Trade Equity Builder, which is um, a product that essentially acts the same as a mortgage. Um, I own. Arth- What's the LVR? Uh, 70, oh, it depends on the asset, but 70% for the Magellan that I'm in at the moment. Is that what Magellan Fund is it? Global Equities. I'm in that. Yeah, it's good. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I've got such a boner for Magellan. Hamish, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you go to the Sydney Investor Update? We couldn't make it, no. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. loved it. Anyway. We, yeah, I would have loved to have gone. I saw some videos of it and it looked like a TED talk. I was like... He's like... Yeah. He is the goat of international investing in Australia. In Australia, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's a billionaire. Is he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a billionaire. Gosh. Yeah. I want because to get you on his, the podcast. And this is a good yeah, example. Of, this is a good <laughs> example. I'll do it. <laughs> well, we've got, we've had Chris, who's his uh, deputy in chief. Yeah, that's cute. I want Hamish. Yeah, well, if you get him on, <laughs> flick him across. I've actually had it. Um, I'm derailing this, but I met Hamish like 15 years ago when he first started Magellan. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's how he's made all his money. He's got his, um, obviously, equity. The 1.3% fee. <laughs> Whatever it is. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I've, I've got that. Um, I hold Afterpay, hold um, Brickworks, which is an LIC. I hold uh, Macquarie, you know, Self Wealth. Self Wealth. Are they listed, are they? Yeah. 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 Oh, actually, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, just bought them two days ago, two or three yeah. days ago. Um, for this interview. For this interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. A bunch of other stuff. I mean, I can't think of them all on mm. the spot. But. So, for me, um, if we go the core and satellite approach, um, my core is mainly uh, ETFs and then a few managed funds. So, similar to Bryce, I um, got a NAB equity build alone and bought into Magellan. Um, we've interviewed Chris Weldon twice on our podcast and was just so blown away by how smart he was and how clear thinking he was. I was like, well, it would be dumb not to invest. Um, that's Even though he doesn't manage the fund that we've invested in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In all seriousness, I know someone who works at Magellan pretty well. I will... Emma? No. Um, I will see if I can get us three to sit down with Hamish and we'll do a joint interview. That'd be epic. Great. Yeah, because we've asked yeah. twice and they yeah. have respectfully <laughs> given us someone else. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's busy. He's very oh, busy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but we're busy as well. <laughs> but the, the guy they gave, Chris, Chris Weldon, was fantastic. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah so. so, anyway, so Magellan, um, and then a number of ATFs. So, uh, ASX 200 ATF, the beta shares one because the lowest fees. Um, a couple of overseas uh, ATFs, uh, an S&P 500 one. A NASDAQ one, which I know overlaps, but it's a little bit more of a, a concentrated exposure to some of those big US tech names. Um, so, yeah, a core of ETFs try to be geographically diversified. And then um, in terms of my satellite, uh, there's a few individual stocks. So, obviously, some of the big, what are we calling it now, fan mag or whatever, the Facebooks, Apples, Microsoft, Netflix of the world. Um, but I'm also particularly interested in that second tier of US tech names. So your um, Shopify, your Adobe's, Spotify is an Spotify, interesting company. Yeah. You need to buy Magellan, my friend. <laughs> so I think I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening over there. Like we all we all know that software is eating the world. We all know that, that these tech companies are huge. But there's a lot of focus on that that top tier, those top six. And I think there's a lot of similar unit economics, similar really good businesses below that then there's also a number of themes that i'm particularly interested in so sustainability is obviously a big one 
and I think there's going to be some pretty clear winners in that space. Um, some of the big waste management companies around the world um, will do quite well. Uh, and then just, yeah, some other individual companies that you know I like or that I'm interested in. So, yeah, what about you? Well, I'm glad you asked, and I guess this is the first time I've ever publicly talked about the equities that I hold. Great. I'm scared We're, to. I don't know. Looking forward to we it. We feel honoured <laughs> I mean, to... It's uh, <laughs> I mean, it's boring. I mean, it's so like boring. stock. Yeah. BTS. Uh, Afterpay. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I've said this before on the podcast. My super fund, it is with Sun Super. Uh, and I think I got it wrong when I said, but it's kind of the same. Um, I think it's 80% in the consciously social balanced fund. Yep. And because I think I said 70 on the other podcast. And then 20%... To and the they've got an international emerging markets index or something. So, my own view is I don't heaps care about Australian equities because when you look at it, Australia under 30 million people. Um, oh, there's that many people in Greater LA. So, yeah. Yeah. I just it's, my view is I'm getting off the island. Yeah, it's two yeah, percent of the global share market <clears throat> yeah. is Australia. So, yeah. I'm pretty heavy international. Um, yeah. so. Yeah, so that's my super, Sun Super 8020 core satellite there. Um, my investment bond, I think, and I actually forget, but it's either the Vanguard Diversified High Growth or and or the MLC Income Builder, which is a portfolio that just invests in Australian equities that have high dividend. So you're not quite off the island. Not quite, but I, and that's what I mean. I think because yeah. I've got to be honest, I haven't logged in to that account. I don't like, I just because it's like, yeah, you'll just keep shoveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in my brokerage account on Self Wealth, um, I've got, and I'm not going to tell you the weighting of this, anyone, I've got VTS, which is basically the total market of the US stock exchange. Yep. And I guess the reason I've done that is one, the US growth in itself. And investing in the American index, you get indirect exposure to emerging markets around the world. Like Starbucks, there's a new Starbucks opening in China every 15 hours. Like that stuff just blows my that mind. That blows every your time mind. Hear like it, yeah. so, I am, I do have exposure to China. I do yeah. have exposure to, you know, remember the old BRICS? Do you remember uh, that? Yeah. Brazil, are, Russia, um, India, 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 China, China um, and. Uh, there was another one. South Africa? No, no. I forget. Bricks, anyway. Yes? No? That was, I, it was a million years ago. Um, so, I've, I've, got, <laughs> I've got VTS. I've got uh, Magellan Global Fund, which nice. is MGE. Um, Jeez, we're all in so agreement got that about through that. So, you've got that through the list. Self-worth, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No. yeah. Um, and again, like, that's an actively managed fund. And there is talk that, oh, you're active. I'm like... I just love what Hamish is doing. Yeah, they're the pros. And I don't know. I just, I want to, I'm interested. And yeah. I like going to their investor briefings. Yeah. I like hearing what they're doing in the portfolio. Yeah. It just really feels like this is sponsored. I think I we just got to say it's not. <laughs> we just randomly all hold MGE. Do you hold MGE, sorry? Uh, no, not I yet. hold it privately. Yeah, privately. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, it is the global fund. Yes. Um, I've got, and this is a little bit of fun that I invested in. Uh, it's a beta shares um, ETF and it's RBTZ. Robots. Yeah. Yeah. So the robotics and AI index. So nice. it's heavy into Asia. Yeah. Have a look. That's had a banging six months. Has it? Oh, really? 
coronavirus. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that's great. And yeah. that was for me. That was a little bit satellite esque. Mm. Uh, again, I'm not going to talk about weightings. Yeah. Um, and please. Just because I'm doing something, don't Sorry. do it. Yeah. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> this I've, is what I love about these thematic ETFs. Yeah. You can get access to, if you're interested in cybersecurity, yeah. you can get uh, ETF that follows cybersecurity. Mm. If you're mm. interested in, I don't know, as I said, marijuana. And they've all got great, <laughs> they've all got great names. Like the yeah. cybersecurity one's Hack. Yeah. Great marketing. Love that. <laughs> and then... Um, the little one that I talked about, like with Corona, that I may have just reversed the truck up to. Oh yeah, was VAP. Okay. What's uh, what's that for? Uh, Vanguard, um, basically Australian Commercial Property Fund. Okay. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah, we haven't talked much about uh, listed property and different ways you can access that. Because I, like, I'll show you this. So you're hard on VAP. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, bombed out. Yeah. Where did you buy it though? Um, I'm not disclosing. <laughs> Fair but, call. Um, yeah. I, so, what's your thesis behind that? I wanted some property exposure mm. in the commercial space in Australia. And like, yeah, that's basically it. So, does that, does, is that a fund that holds uh, actual property? Or is yeah, it, so they... Does it hold like Goodman so, and yes, stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, like okay. uh, uh, Centre Group, yeah, Goodman, like yeah. it's your Westfield. Hopefully not offices. Yeah, they're going to be. Well, and that's... <laughs> um, yeah, that's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah. But again, that's just a bit of fun for me. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. So now I want to finish up with, in terms of individual stocks, yeah. are there some little darlings that twinkle your eye in Australia? Are we uh, are we getting very close to the line here, or what? What line? What I, line? Like, I like uh, freaking the lines eight kilometers back there. <laughs> my next my next buys are going to be um, City Chic, CCX. Oh. It's uh, it's an Australian company that specialises in plus size women's clothing, very niche, and they derive two thirds of their revenue now from online, which I think super important given the climate that's going on in retail. Mm. But they absolutely own the space, and they are expanding pretty heavily over in the United States. Pretty small, I wouldn't say small, yeah, small mid cap company. Um, so yeah, I've got my eye on that. It's been doing pretty well. And I think I'm actually just going to put some money into Amazon. I can't. I, they're just. They're but you have direct exposure through MGE, any like indirect exposure, wouldn't you? Anyway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I just can't be able to dicking around with the international brokerage. You know. Yeah. No. That's that's mm. fair. Um, but yeah, City although, Chic for me is is the one that I've I'm going to next buy. I uh, in in terms of how hard it is to do international brokerage, I did a test on my phone. Mm-hmm. Twenty nine seconds to buy socks from Amazon. 
22 seconds to buy stock of Amazon. Yo, good little play though. So it's pretty easy these days. You should you should record that and put it on our socials. Anyway. <laughs> Matt, yeah. Um, are you going to do like when you have... Um, oh, no. I was going to say when you have guests on your podcast, you put like a photo on a quote or whatever. I'm like, I'm not on your podcast right now. <laughs> we can. We can put it on our... Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what about you? Oh, no. Oh, in terms with, of um, me, uh, yeah. so... I, I'm a little bit bearish at the moment. I'm a little bit oh, nervous. Wow. <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous about you know JobKeeper ending and the US support ending and the amount of people that aren't paying their rent and all of that. So I've actually put a bit more into gold, um, and I think I'm going to do a little bit more. When you say you put money to gold, see my like are you going down to Westfield and going to the gold? He's town got something in his back pocket right now. See my gold too. Yeah. <laughs> No, I uh so there's listed um there's listed funds uh that you can get exposure to the price of gold. It's mm. it's pretty important if you're going to invest in gold that you're there are funds that give you exposure to the price mm. and then there are funds that actually hold physical gold. Um and you want to invest in ones that actually hold physical gold. The fund that I'm investing in if you own over a certain amount, you can actually go and redeem, redeem it, the yeah. units in the fund. For physical gold? Yeah, right. Um, G-O-L-D is the ticker and it's an ETF securities. Is that the one you got? No, no, no. Oh. It's uh, the one that Jesse Felder recommended. Oh, you, you've bought that one? Yeah. All oh, right. Well, I own, it's the same with uh, the ETF securities one, gold. Okay. Yeah, you, nice. you can go and redeem. Yeah. Anyway, so gold and surprisingly enough, which I'm very surprised that I'm doing it, um, Bitcoin. I I don't believe in it. I don't. I don't <sighs> no, no, think I'm it's. <laughs> I, I I hold Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing a sort of just for lols. What if I'm wrong? Like yeah. I I don't I don't I understand the first part of the Bitcoin thesis that you know and we don't want to go too deep here, but you know that all this money printing is going to devalue fiat currency. Blah blah blah. I understand all that. I don't understand the second part, which is why is Bitcoin the actual alternative. But what if I'm wrong? Well, I can tell you right now, the biggest thing that will stop Bitcoin for being anything good, well, I don't want to say stuff like this, but... <laughs> yeah, here we go. Like, <laughs> until it will only be treated as a real thing when you can settle a government debt with it. Yes. Yeah, you liked that one, didn't you? Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, when will that yeah. happen? Uh, will we it happen? Know, yeah. and, and that's what we don't know. So... Yeah, I, I own Bitcoin only because the same things like, oh, yeah, throw a few grand in there, whatever. But I, I like, yeah, I hold Bitcoin only because, yeah, whatever, you know. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Same. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So, for me... Um, a very, and a very small amount. Like, it's... Yeah. 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 Less than 1%. Mm. Yeah. And then, uh, to answer your original question, if, if I was to look at individual stocks, I think... Well, look, I, I said Shopify earlier, but I think Shopify for me is a very... Sexy business. You've been harping on about Spotify. No, Shopify. I know, but you've also been harping on about yeah. Spotify. Well, I think Spotify is going to own the podcasting space and like we've all seen the big acquisitions that they're doing, but... Um, yeah, what about the money they didn't tell you about with the Rogan deal? What do you mean? What do you, what do you know that we don't? Well, I'm just... <laughs> the facts are, they've obviously said it's over $100 million. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But what about all the other money where they're like, we'll bring advertisers to the table? Like... I reckon they'll be like, if we bring an advertiser to the table, there'd be a rev split there. 100%. Probably, yeah. yeah. Like, he's yeah. probably talking he's cleaned up. 100 million a year. I reckon yeah. he was undervalued. I reckon he was he was clearing $30 million a year in advertising revenue pre-Spotify. Mm. And he, he sacrifices a lot of his audience to go exclusive Spotify. 
Should have asked for. We don't know the deal. Though. Gimlet Media money <laughs> rather than. Yeah, yeah, and and it's clear that you know, Apple are losing out, but it, Apple have obviously gone. Well, we don't pay for content mm. yet. Mm. Yeah. So. So yeah, I think um yeah, what I was saying before, some of those U.S. tech names that aren't the the big flashy trillion dollar companies, I think, are particularly interesting. Mm. Mm. What have you got your eye on? Well, it's it's funny. I've I've had my eye on kind of three Australian stocks, and again, if I do dangle my toe in the water, it's not going to be more than ten percent of my portfolio because I'm just it'd only be for a sport almost, and just because I'm interested in investing, uh, and it would be long term play. And actually, I answered this on an Instagram story, and some of you may have seen it a while ago. I'll start with kind of the the boring stuff. I'm just such a fan of Woolworths. Yo. Get out of here. Coles is a much better business. <laughs> Piss off. <laughs> it's like you go into the store and it's red and yeah. it's like, what's with all the oppression and the, the angry <laughs> red <laughs> and white? What, red and white. Where it's like Woolworths, it's green, it's fresh. Yeah. At Woolworths at Batter Bay, I know where everything is. Like, But no, I think <laughs> the Woolworths, they stopped digging around in stuff that you had no idea about with the Masters stuff that, you know... Core business, groceries, just slaughtering it. I'm I'm just a fan of Woolworths. Staple, I don't know, no reason. That's just a personal view. Like if I said the same thing about Coles, same like it's actually based on nothing. Yeah. The other one, and I'm I'm actually keen to go pretty long on at the moment, and that's Qantas. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk yeah. in our community about yeah, Qantas yeah. and yeah. Um, and in fact, at the time of this recording, uh, and this podcast probably won't go up till August, but I'm on Monday because I like commercial aviation. I fly a couple of times a year when you could, maybe to the states on Qantas, and like I like it. I'm doing the seven four seven final joy flight in Sydney, so they they're retiring the seven four seven. I'm a total nerd, right? <laughs> and then you go on, you go to the lounge before for some brunch, and then. You go and they do a flight around Sydney for an hour. The The flight's called QF747 and <laughs> at the end of it, they drive into the hangar and everyone walks down the stairs and you can get photos and walk around the plane and stuff. So, well, there it's you a bit go. of a nerdy thing. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm pretty, if I was going to put money into the market tomorrow, I would probably myself consider Qantas. Again, I'm not a stock guy purely personal interest yeah. and that's why I limit it to the 10% rule yeah. because it's just I want to yep. and then the third one which I've had my eye on for many many years and I think it's probably now's a good time as any and that's Invocare okay you know they've got the licenses for you know the uh, cremation and yes. funerals mm. and all that So I actually pitched Invocare you did at, on the show yeah. yeah on the show a month or two a month ago right in the middle of COVID yeah I think it's a yeah I yeah. equally think it's a, an interesting play yeah so on the 18th of April on the 18th of March mid COVID it was $13 a share that's mm. now 10 wow yeah so it's fallen off a cliff they wow. did do some capital raising yeah uh, three months ago but I'm just like you know and I think if I read correctly, they're into the Singapore market as well. Mm. So, you know, we're not getting out of this place alive. We've got an aging population. Mm. To me, it just makes sense to also go long on that. I don't know. It's And again, all this crap is just only personal interest. Mm. I've mm. not l- really looked at the finances of any of these companies. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm not telling anyone to do it. I'm just saying this is what I've looked at. Yeah. Um, if I was going to 
do it out of personal interest. So yeah, I nice. Like it. We'll, we'll yeah. make an individual stock picker out of you yet. <laughs> <laughs> that other podcast. <laughs> My millennial um, mates, it's coming. <laughs> oh, I love it. And, but again, I can't stress enough, like the reason why I don't do individual stocks is because I can't control myself. And mm. I just, if I was going to dabble a few grand in or whatever, it's not going to be more than 30, uh, 10%, 10 of my portfolio. Mm. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. So, well, we might leave it there. Nice one. That was a lot of fun. Oh, it was okay. good. Yeah, Thanks it was good. Coming yeah. up and having a yarn. Thanks for having us. No worries. Good to see, uh, good to see where the magic happens. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> good magic. It's good magic. Uh, you can find these guys anywhere you listen to podcasts. They've got a couple of podcasts. So yes. much better that you rebranded your logo. Oh, yeah. More forward, a bit more color, the strength behind it. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, I think big things are happening at Equity Mates. Oh, look out. Yeah. Look out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll do, we'll do the plug. Uh, search Equity Mates or search Get Started Investing or go to equitymates.com. Nice. Or if you want an, up, an outdated website, go to the .com. But if you just want what's <laughs> happening, go to Instagram. Yeah, yeah. yeah We're all over yeah. socials. Join us on Facebook, uh, Equity Mates Investing discussion group and we've also got a bit of exposure on Twitter as well and Ooh, Bryce yeah. is learning the renegade dance to get on TikTok very big. soon TikTok's big <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yes we are going to explode yeah. on TikTok TikTok it's going to be called after Bryce is done with it <laughs> love it alright piss off <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks for having us see ya thanks We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, Canstar, and Finder. Find out more at sunsuper.com.au forward slash M3. You can join Sun Super online in under five minutes. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.